a donut. Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. There you go. You get all the guts. No. Yeah. Bring them gutted. All right. Are we ready? Are you ready with the recording? Okay, you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Is everybody ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, to all of you that was here at the healing room trainings yesterday, you sat for six hours through a training. And so I know you'll give me at least an hour with intense attention, focused and lasered because, you know, an hour is nothing, right? All right. Well, today is week three of our current series titled The Kingdom in Us. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And then put a finger over in Philippians 4. And I'll get to those scriptures in a minute. Allow me to just take a couple minutes. Um, The current series is... um, Build upon the scripture that's Romans 14, 17, that says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So throughout this series, we started um, with the kingdom of God is light. Last week, we talked about the kingdom is righteousness. Then we're going to hit the kingdom is peace, the kingdom is joy, and the kingdom in us. In Luke 17, it says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he gave them one message to preach. The kingdom is here. (laughs) But what if I go over there? Then the kingdom is here. (laughs) Wherever you go, you carry the kingdom. His rule, his reign, his will done in us and through us. So the first week we focused on the kingdom is like an understanding of the kingdom itself needs to be laid down first. And that was Jesus. When we looked at Matthew 13, he started these um, illustrations, if you will, of what the kingdom is like. And it was all, and he prefaced it by explaining to them, it's not enough for you to just know. You need to understand. It's not just enough for you to know about the kingdom. You have to understand Because if you just hear the message about the kingdom, it's not enough. You have to understand. And then he talked about these illustrations of what the kingdom of heaven is like, all of which had to be applied. It has to be applied. You have to hear, you have to understand, and you have to apply it to produce that multiplication he talked about when he gave the parable of the sower. You know, that some just heard and, eh, you know, the seed went blah, 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 blah. But in that parable, he said, but when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was just sown in his heart. 
But the one who received the seed or heard the message about the kingdom and understands it, he produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. See, Jesus makes an extremely important point before beginning his lesson about what the kingdom of heaven is like by saying it's not just enough to hear. You need to understand, you need to take it in, and you need to apply it to your life. Last week we focused on the kingdom is righteousness. We looked at what it is, why you want it, and how to walk in it. Righteousness, what is it? Simply put, it's right standing with God. We have been reconciled to God. It's right standing before God, free of sin, free of guilt, completely justified. And it's right standing as God in the world as we carry his kingdom as God. Christian, little Christ, his kingdom. Why you want righteousness? There are 10 things, if you wanted to lay it out, that everyone seeks after in this world, in this life, in your lifetime. And in Proverbs chapter 8, it says, Wisdom cries out, Is anybody, Brenda translation, seeking after these 10 things? Guess what? I have them all. Wisdom says, I have them all. Come seek me, and with me are, and it lists these ten things. Five are spiritual or internal, and five are external things. And in verse 20, she says, I, wisdom, walk in the way of righteousness. You want to know where she is? Walk in the path of the righteous. Those that are right with God, right with God, right before God, and right as God, walk. And then we said, well, how? How do we do that? How do we walk in righteousness? And simply put, it's grace. It's the supernatural power of God to work and to uphold all of his laws. We don't, they're not negated. And if you want to, I mean, I'm not, I don't have time to go into all that. It's not done away with. He didn't do away with the law. But it's the supernatural grace to uphold the law. Not just by what you do, but who you are now. See, there's a big difference. We can try to do and be holy, try to, by doing all these things, and we will fail. You'll constantly be tripping and messing up this. But when we receive that righteousness, that's all his. When we receive his grace, that supernatural empowerment, it's not just what we do anymore. It's who we are. We don't do to be. We are, so we do. (laughs) So that's the difference. And that's why that righteousness... That's why in our earthly relationship, we don't do because we have to do for our spouses, for our children, right? We love, so we 
he loves so we do. Righteousness. His righteousness. I mean, every day I, I cry out, God, let me live this day that is in such a way that's worthy of the sacrifice made. You know, let the things I say, let the let the motives of my heart, let the thoughts in my mind even honor. Bring you glory. Righteousness is not just a belief or a virtue of the heart alone. It is and must be seen in our actions. Faith and deeds. Faith and faith and deeds. That's why righteousness encompasses that it's right standing with God, it's right standing before God, but it's right standing as God. The the lost, the lost as um, all the law, all the prophets hang on love God and love others. It goes together. Over and over again, Jesus says, love others as I have loved you. Forgive others as you want me to forgive you. Extend mercy as you will be extended mercy. It's both. It comes this way and goes that way. So today we're going to look at the kingdom is peace. The kingdom is peace. Pastor Neil's devotion, which by the way, if you're not getting those every day, you're missing it. It's like the best donut in the world with the best frosting. And of course, then it has to have the best pecan salted just a little bit on top of it. Every morning. At 8.30, that's right. If it comes before 8.30, I text him back. What are you doing up so early? <laughs> if it comes later, I'm like, ahem, I'm waiting. No, no, I And it's calorie free. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. Pastor Neil's devotion from September 18th said the word peace translated in Hebrews means shalom, which by the way, uh, you probably already knew this. It was probably baited that, you know, the message was going to be about peace. So, of course, the devotion this morning was about peace, too. It was really good, but I already had this one written in my notes. I'm sorry. Okay. So today's was really good, by the way. See him afterward if he doesn't have your email, and he'll get that on there. Or no, it comes by phone. It's a text. That's right. Okay, sorry. Backing up. Um. So Pastor Neil's devotion from September 18th. The word peace, translated in Hebrews, means shalom. Shalom means wholeness, tranquility, and completeness. It means forgiveness of our sins and the new birth of our spirits. It means health and healing for our bodies and our soul, our mind, will, emotion. It carries the connotation of nothing missing. Nothing broken, nothing lacking. It means harmony in our relationship with God and with others. In a nutshell, it is God's provision for everything we'll ever need in this life. Jesus took the punishment for our sins so we could obtain shalom, peace, home. I like that. So today we're going to look at the kingdom of God is peace. Peace is a gift. Peace is an atmosphere. Peace is to be released 
peace is your guard. Peace is a gift. Yes, I'm getting to James. Hold on. Keep that Bible open. Peace is a gift. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, my peace, my peace. He says, don't fear, don't fear, don't be anxious, don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, I'm giving you peace. No, he says, I'm giving you my peace. I give It's a gift. He's giving you his peace. Don't be anxious. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? You know, he said in this world, you're going to have many trouble. So okay, he's overcome them all. And he's going to give you his It's a gift. So you need to receive. You know, right before that, in John 14, he was trying to prepare his disciples. I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to leave. Well, I don't know about you, but if I'm looking at I'm going to be in charge the minute the boss leaves, I'm getting a little nervous. Did I get everything I need to get from him before he goes, right? I mean, I was a second in command at um, Charlotte Assembly, and it was a checklist of, you know, multiplied, you know, tasks that the pastor would sit down and go over with me and, of course, send it out to the board and send it out to the rest of the staff so we knew who had to do what kind of stuff. Why? So it would ease our hearts in his absence that he could go, everything's going to be taken care of. Well, same thing. Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, I'm getting ready to go. But don't worry. And then he explained, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. He's going to remind you of everything I've taught you. So don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he said, I'm going to give you my My And now I could elaborate a little bit more, but I don't want to take anything away from this. But I mean, where we're going is peace is not just the absence. It's the presence. And laying in that context, he was describing the Holy Spirit. He's a gift. I'm sending you. The gift of the Father. You know, ask, and he's going to give you. The gift of the Father, right? The Holy Spirit. My peace. My Holy Spirit. My peace. I'm giving you. So when we go through our day or our lives and we feel like you know well god if you would just fix my spouse i would have peace i would be a better christian lord if you would just you know help me wake up this morning not have any pain i'll have a good day lord if you can cause those people to stop talking about me i would have peace and i would be a better christian if your peace is based on circumstances or opinions or people or their comments or what they say to you and how they think about you, then it is your peace. Because it's not his. 
Because his, it didn't matter. Did Jesus ever have somebody speak negatively about him? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think he had, he had, he had hordes of people around him all the time. Ah, shut up. Who are you? Go away. What are you doing? Isn't that just the carpenter's son? Who are you? Go sit back down again. So if your peace is contingent upon your circumstances, then you're letting your circumstances speak louder than him your life. I have people all the time. And I'm sure you do too. Speak about, speak, think about you. Or, you know, speaking to you is one thing. Telling you things is kind of like, mm, you know. But when they're speaking about you and you want to go set them straight, especially when it's, you know it's not true, well, then you're only as good as somebody else's speak. Your value is based upon their word instead of his word. I want his. I don't need to feel like I can't make it through this day if everybody doesn't pat me on the back or bring me a gift. Even bring me a gift. I do like it. It's his peace. Jesus' peace came through the knowledge of who God was to him and who he was to God. Nothing, he knew nothing could separate that. Nothing can hinder that. Nothing can speak louder than that. He knew in the face of extreme torture he was about ready to go through that he was okay. His peace was settled. He knew what they were about ready to do. The accusations, the lies, the, you know, spitting, beating, pulling his beard out in chunks, the ridicule, the mocking, the, if you're the son of God, come down, take yourself off the cross, then we'll believe in you. He knew all of those things. I'm sure that all that was rushing through his mind in the garden. And yet he was settled and knew he was God. So he had to stand before his betrayer, receive the kiss, to go through all that he went through. And he said, that's the I my It's a gift. Peace is an atmosphere. Peace is the atmosphere of heaven. Can you imagine standing in heaven and you read Revelations? I go there frequently just to get the description painted again in my mind of what heaven and all of its glory and the, the what blows my mind and I love it when it comes autumn time and fall time and you see all the trees and changing colors, that those are the trees that are going to line the river, and it says that they're changing in all their colors all the time. Yes, 
I love that picture. But to see that, to see all the glory, God and the splendor and, and the gold streets, translucent, pure gold. And would you feel anything else but complete peace at that time? Of course, it's going to be, that's the atmosphere that we're to walk in now. Why? Because his kingdom is in us. We carry his kingdom. So wherever we go, we're to be perpetuate, recirculate that atmosphere of wherever we go. I like it that the Bible describes that we are to be the fragrance even of heaven. You ever walk into some places and just smell? That's the atmosphere almost like a ecosystem where it helps produce peace that atmosphere of peace helps bring about hope love joy right all that it just it's an ecosystem where those things that can't live in that can't live in that <laughs> that aren't fed by that can't live in that you know, I can't take a cactus from Nevada and plant it here in our yard and expect it to live. I know you're thinking, well, because you planted it, right? Stop it. I know. Anything I plant dies, so I could, you know, whatever. I could get a pine tree and plant it in my front yard. It'll still, you know, it would. But because our ecosystem, our, our, our atmosphere up here cannot... Uh, uh, sustain that light, that, that cactus. Same thing with the atmosphere of heaven, this atmosphere of peace wherever we go. See, we we're looking at it from the outside in. That's wrong. That's what, where Satan wants you to stay, outside looking in. Until you get right, you can't come in. And that's totally not true. That's a lie. Cast that sucker out. Okay? You're always looking from the inside, looking out. We're in the kingdom. We're in Christ. We're in God, him in us, Holy Spirit in us, looking out. So when we carry that atmosphere of the kingdom, then negative speech, uh, offense, you know, an offense or, or, you know, whatever, lies or hate or blah, chaos, blah, you know, is all trying to come into that, it can't stay. It gets swallowed up. But if you're looking from the outside in like, oh, I need peace, I need to get, I need to get out of the chaos, and I need to get into peace, you're already looking at it wrong. You need to, wherever you go, swallow up death. Swallow up, you know, hatred. Swallow up. And swallowed up. Why? Well, who's greater, life or death? Boy, that didn't even sound convincing. Maybe I need to change my message right now. It, it can't compare. It can't compare. It's already been defeated. It's like the. Does anybody like. No, I shouldn't say that because Chris. Yes, I love rats. But anyway, it's like a. <laughs> It's like a rat that's already been killed, squished, like roadkill. It can't.
can't hurt you anymore. The only thing it can do is stink up the area. I mean, I have to tell you, you would think, you know, you drive by roadkill on your car, in your car, and every once in a while you might get a woof of a dead skunk and you're like, ooh, that's awful. Oh no, 1,000 times over when you're on a motorcycle. <laughs> I see roadkill coming up and I'm like, <gasps> hold my breath. And it's not enough, I found that out. It's not enough just to hold your breath going by. You have to exhale going by because it still gets up there. Because that wind's pushing and it goes up there. So you got to going by roadkill. It's bad. But it, the atmosphere of peace, the atmosphere of heaven swallows up death. It will swallow up that negative. It will swallow up that chaos. It'll swallow up those things. But you have to be a walking in the kingdom, knowing that this is the atmosphere that I carry. All right, we'll get to scripture now because you're all looking at me like I'm not going to read any. <laughs> James chapter 3. See, here it is again, starting at... Um, oh, well, I'm going to back up. Um, verse 13, it's talking about two kinds of wisdom. Proverbs, wisdom, 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 wisdom. And I love it over and over and over again. It says, she cries out, you who are simple, come to me. And she's described as where she's standing at outside the city, crying out, all who are simple, all who seek wisdom, all who want blah, 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 blah. Here I am. Come to me. And then the next thing you see, she's standing at the gate. I'm getting closer. Here I am. Come to me. You want, you want, you want, you, come to me. I have it. Who has it? Wisdom. Next thing you know, she's in the middle of the streets. Crying out amongst the hustle and bustle of our daily lives. Go in here, run in here, doing that this here, run that here, blah. Saying, I'm here. You're seeking after all these things. I have them all with me. Wisdom. Wisdom. And in uh, chapter 3 here, Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. There it is again. Faith and deeds. Faith and deeds. Righteousness is not just about a right standing with God and a virtue and you're, you're good. Well, I'm good. It's just me and God. I'm good. Yeah, well, what about everybody else? Just pour through your family like a tornado. Deep. Faith and deep. Wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. I'm glad he doesn't there. For where you have 
envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Envy and selfish ambition means that you better do me right. Because I can only be as right as you do me. You better say the right things to me. Do the things I want you to do the right way, the way I want you to do them. Selfish ambition and envy. Oh, so you think you're better than me and I'll do this and you do that? Because you'll have every. There you will find disorder and every evil practice. Looking to the kingdom from the outside. He's talking to Christians. They're looking at it all wrong. That's not even wisdom. So you think that you can just you, 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 and you can tear through everybody else. You don't have to do anything. You're not responsible. But yeah, no. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, listen, here it is. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then Peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere peacemaker who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers. He's saying, you think you're wise? You think you're wise? You think you're wise? Show me. How are you keeping the atmosphere? How are you expanding the kingdom wherever you go? Peace, love, peacemaker. Wherever you go, consider it. Consider it. Don't we teach our kids how to be considerate, but then we reach a certain age and we don't have to be considerate anymore? Full of mercy. Full of good fruit. Impartial, sincere. This is how we sow in peace. This is how we cultivate or, or continue to recirculate that atmosphere of peace. And he says, you do that and you're going to sow a harvest. You're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. You don't even have to focus on how are you doing with God anymore. Do this. And he said, righteousness, that's it. That's what you need to do. Sow that peace. Sow that peace. Wherever you go. Peacemakers. Peacemaker. Sowing peace perpetuates that atmosphere. And you'll reap a harvest of righteousness. Consider it. Peace is to be released. We've been commanded to release forgiveness. Commanded to release healing. And we've been commanded to release peace. Remember, Jesus was explaining to his disciples when he was getting ready to send them out that when you go into a house, greet the house. I mean, it's not like, hey, house, how are you doing today? Yeah. Talking about people in the 
I'll treat them. And if they are worthy, says send your, let me read it so I get it right. Uh, yep, I wrote it down. Matthew 10, 12 through 13. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return. And I got the picture of the dove when Noah was sending out the dove to the earth. Remember, he sent out the dove, and the dove didn't find anywhere to rest. So it returned. Like that. That we have, we have the command to release peace where we go. And if it's not deserving, call it back. Not like, are you deserving of my peace? I mean, you know, I know, don't go there. There's that pendulum swinging clear the wrong way. You know, oh, I have peace. You, you, you good? No, but if they're not, listen. Kind of like casting the pearl before the swine, right? Yeah. I mean, if they're looking to receive, if it's a household that needs, and you have, I mean, you line that up with the rest of the scripture, and there's a command. Meet that need. That house needs peace. Send it. Let it go. Holy Spirit right now with yeah. e. E. and let it multiply and let it penetrate through them that wherever they go outside of this house even they carry and extend it but if they don't want it don't leave it pick it up take it back with you. Oh, I don't need that I don't need it. Have you ever had somebody trying to get in? The, oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. Yeah. Do you leave it with them? If you're trying to give them something, they're like, no, I don't need that. Do you say, no, here you go. Yeah. No, you take it, don't you? You take it back. Same thing. They don't want it. Mm -hmm. Bring it back. But you first must receive the gift of his peace. Then you have to continue maintaining this or recirculating this atmosphere of peace before you can release. You can't release something you don't have. Just because your mouth's speaking it, let me tell you. You can't speak to release something you don't have. Peace is your guard. Peace is the armor you wear on the inside. Yeah. You know, we're all about the armor on the outside. Peace says, I will guard your heart and your mind. It's the armor you wear on the inside. Peace is your guard. Philippians, I told you I'd read that. Philippians chapter 4. Next verse. 
next week we'll talk about joy. And I'm so excited because it's Communion Sunday. And we were already going there. And then it's like, oh, it's communion. It's not a communion. It's a celebration. You know, that's why Paul, and I'll tell here's a little commercial break. That's why Paul had to get after them about you've turned the communion into a great big love feast. And this great big to-do and a great big party. Why? Because it was natural. That's what they were to do. Why? Because it's a celebration. Yes, it's a sober moment. But then it's a celebration. Death has been defeated. <laughs> you know? He, he led victory. He led us to victory. Everything. It's conquered. It's done. It's complete. Celebrate. We're at one with him now. The atonement. It's all covered. So anyway, that's tomorrow. Or next week. Tomorrow, I guess, if you want to stay. No. But verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Next week, we're going to hit on joy. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Sure sounds like the kingdom in the atmosphere. That gentleness be evident all why the Lord is near where is he here but if I go over here where is he here where's the kingdom here wherever I go let your gentleness be evident all you carry the kingdom you carry the kingdom's atmosphere that is his peace his peace his presence then he goes into do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, or the New King James Version, I think, says, and thanksgiving, not just with, but and. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, did you hear those inclusive statements? All, everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, all your requests, all your requests. Prayer, petition, with thanksgiving. Not or thanksgiving. You don't come to him with just prayer. You don't come to him with just petition. You don't come to him with just thanksgiving. All. Present all. Now, why, why do you need to ask the Lord for things that you know you can get yourself? then you're self-sufficient. You don't need him. But I can do it myself. Anna? <laughs> you think maybe he has something a little bit better than what you can do? Yeah. That's one of the prayer. I was praying for this one lady and I just had the overwhelming um, word to give her stop settling. 
I said, you keep settling and he wants to give you more and you're withholding his hand. God, all I need is. He's like, really? I got so much more than that. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, right? Why do we do that? Like, God, if you would just. What? Do you want to just fend for yourself? Then why is he needed? You know, do you like it when you. I'm sorry. Again, I, I feel like I always pull everything back to get. But it's, you know, we only have. Is it seven more Fridays till Christmas? Yes. Yes. Um. But when the kids were younger and I used to have them put me together these nice little lists, you know, give me ideas and make it. I always tell them, please give me way more ideas than I'll be able to get you gifts. Right? Because I want to believe for the much more. Right? Didn't I tell you guys? I'm still, I'm bugging them now. I don't have a list yet. I don't have a list yet. And now in this house, it's you don't give me a list. You get nothing. You know, why should I give him something he's not asking for? And if we ask, I mean, come on, he is so big. I was listening to David Hogan the other day, which, by the way, if you're not listening to testimonies that will, yeah, blow your mind and that, that reasoning and human logic and the natural law of things out of the water, then you're not believing God is an impossible God. You're not believing him or looking at him or living as if he wants to do through you the same way he did through them. Come on, you've got to be challenging that unbelief and that reasoning like Rick and I were talking about this great big funnel. God's so big and he wants to pour into us. But like that funnel, we bring it down into this little bitty eyedropper and then we go, yeah, that was okay for back then, but not now anymore. And we plug up that little, yeah, we'll just, you know, God, you can do this as long as I can understand it. You can do this as long as I understand it. Anyway, sorry, you, you got to be believing for more. But that's why God's saying, I have so much more for you, but you're not even asking for it. Or when you ask, you're asking amiss. And you know, that one's been preached off whack too. Because you're asking with selfish motive. See, so you can't ever get, ask God for something. Because that, uh, well, that just sounds selfish. Well, the list that I asked the boys and my kids to give me, do I say, sorry, you're asking for things that are just all selfish? Duh! <laughs> Duh! Right? It's like a baby crying and a, cr you're being selfish! Stop crying for a bottle! Come on, people. You know, I think it was uh, Vicki that when we had a life group at my house, we were hitting on this topic about how do we know if we're being selfish in our requests to God. I'm like, trust him. Just like I would trust my mom and dad or I expect my kids to trust me. If I ask for something that's like, <laughs> you ain't getting that, then he'll weed it out. Okay? So how does he weed it out and hit the second or the third thing on the list? If we don't put it on the list. You know, Jacob's still learning how to drive. And boy's pretty good. Let me tell you, he's, he's pretty good. But when 
we go to go help him pick up a vehicle, we're not going to get him a nice, great, big new one. (laughs) It's going to have clunks and clinks and dents and tings. It's going to be, I hope you pray over this before you turn it on, kind of a car. Right? So, let me get back. Prayer petitions with thanksgiving. All of them. Put them all out there. He said with everything. He said present all your requests to God and trust him with it. You know, God, I would really like a new... I mean, come on. I was praying for that house before we even knew we were going to have a house. I was praying for a house and I thought, you know, oh God, if we just have a little, you know, cabin in the woods, it'll be just a trailer, I guess, and, you know, and it's okay if it don't have heat. No. I'm like, God, I want want a big house. I want to have, and I started laying it out there. Why? And then I always throw it out, but God, I trust you. You know, I trust you. You said, let me, let me, ask me everything. I'm asking you. And I'd like it at this price range. <laughs> right? But you know what? I'm going to also add to my list. If you just want somebody to give us a house, I'll take that one too. Present all. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be anxious about everything. But in all things, present all your requests. Then, then. His peace will be your armor inside, guarding your mind and guarding your heart. But if you're withholding your requests, if you're withholding your prayers, if you're withholding your thanksgiving until you see that thing, now I'll thank him for that thing. Your mind's going to be going nuts. Your heart's going to be up and down and all around based on what you receive and what you didn't receive and what your kids are doing, what your husband is doing or your wife is doing or blah, 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 blah. There's no guard. Why? Because you're not presenting all your prayers, all your petitions with thanksgiving. How can we be thankful for something we don't have yet? And what if we don't get what we're asking for? How can we start celebrating and thanking God for it? Right? You're how can I do that? It's faith. Because you do. Because you trust him for who he is. Because you lay all those things at his feet. And if he wants to mix them all up and send them back to you in a different order, that's his will. And he has your best intention in mind. So you can already start thanking him. You know, when Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus, what was the first words out of his mouth? Father, I thank you that you hear me. Thank you, God, that your word says that I can bring all my prayers, all my petition, and all my requests before you. And I just want to thank you right now that you said with confidence I can come into your presence. That everything, Jesus, you said that the, what everything the Father has is given to you and they're under your feet and you've made us the 
You've given us the Holy Spirit who will make known to us all these things. And I trust you. If I got something out of order or I put something on there that don't belong there, I trust you with that. I prayed with a woman last night that was rolled up in birthing a position, crying out for her family because she felt like she needed to do. Because I feel like I constantly have to tell them, you need to do this, you need it, because they're all going to hell, and what am I supposed to do? I said, nothing. Stop it. God is big enough. He loves your family more. Stop it. And let him do. Trust him with them. Start thanking him right now that God, as much as my heart breaks for them, yours breaks even more. Trust him. We can start thanking him right away, right now, for the salvation of those wayward children now. Spouses, now. Why? Because our Christian walk, our peace, how we're doing cannot be contingent on if our prayers are answered a certain way, if our kids perform a certain way, if our people would just talk to us a certain way. No, that's looking from the outside, and he's on the inside, and will extend out. So the kingdom is peace. The kingdom is a gift, his peace, your gift. The kingdom is peace, it's the atmosphere. Oh, we have to sow in peace. We have to be peacemakers to recirculate that, that ecosystem of peace, that atmosphere of peace. We need to release that peace wherever we go. If it's not wanted, pull it back. Okay, going on. And let that peace be your guard, that armor you wear on the inside. You know, Jesus had peace when sleeping in the boat and when walking on the water, and both were in a storm. He was walking on the water before, before uh, Peter stepped out. And I don't remember reading anywhere where the disciples looked and Jesus was out there. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Keep me safe. No. He's walking right by him. Actually, it said that he was going to pass them by when they saw him. He's like, I told them to go to the other side. I'm just going to get there before them. And he said it was his that he gives us. Because he knew who he was in God. No fear of sudden disaster. No worrying about what people are thinking, saying, doing, will do, will say. Haven't, yeah, haven't done. Trusting and obeying. Or there's no other way. Trust and obey. Other way. I want to read you a part. Are you guys all good? Do I have a couple more minutes? I know my clock's already running into the red, but I know all the healing room people, you gave, you're giving me at least five more hours, right? I want to read a part of a chapter of one of the books. In the book that I just finished, Preaching Through the Pain. Um, and which, by the way, be praying and believing with me. I... Um, 
submitted that to a publisher a few weeks ago. Um, and we've been declaring and speaking out, God, that you've given us avenue. avenue. And it's not just for the money, you know, that we're believing for, but it's also for this word to get out. Um, but in the book, Preaching Through the Pain, one of the chapters are titled Trusting Through. And sorry, Dad, I forgot to ask your permission, but I don't think I have to ask anymore because I asked your permission before I put it in the book. Mm -hmm. So, okay. All right. Never mind. Um, every, not every chapter, but there's chapters throughout the book that my family um, has allowed me to share their story. So this one is, um, I call it Dad's chapter. But trusting through it says the best lessons are learned when we go through things. God builds warriors in the midst of conflict, not in the absence of it. And one of the best weapons in war is trust. Trusting God to see you through it is the fuel to keep you going through. As I write this, there's a Netflix movie craze going around, encouraging people to put a blindfold on and see how far they can make it. Sorry, that's not the trust I'm referring to. As a matter of fact, for the Christian, faith is not blind at all. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is the substance. Faith, trusting God, is knowing he is big enough to do what he promised and faithful to see me through. The Bible instructs us that we walk not by sight, but by faith. This is not a movie mantra. It's spiritual instruction, the fuel to keep us pressing through when we don't see the answer, understand the reason, or even see the other side. We can't know everything. We can't refuse to move unless God explains himself to us. Both are about as absurd as the blindfolded person driving a car down the freeway and yes, someone actually tried that. Ours is not to know why, how, or even when. Ours is only to trust. As the wise little elf said to the doubting Santa in the Santa Claus movie, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Imagine your problem solved, your pain gone, your biggest dream answered. What would you do? If you're waiting to celebrate, don't. Yes, you may not feel like celebrating. Do it anyway. But what if I'm asking for never happens? So what? Could it be a bad thing to begin rejoicing now, thanking God now? The rest of Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Hope is the joyful anticipation that something good is about to happen. My two-year-old granddaughter, Aubrey, knows what it means to hope. With the fluttering of her hands, dancing in place, and the gasping for her next breath, her whole body exclaims something good, really good, is about to happen. Now that's hope. Trusting through is not waiting for the answer to come to you. It's joyfully anticipating something really good 
is coming on the other side of this mountain in front of me. So don't stop here. Keep climbing. Trust. God is big enough to do what he's promised. In Romans 4, we see Abraham, an old man with an old wife, way beyond the age to have children, was given a promise by God that they would have a son. So what could he do? Trust. Verses 20 and 21 says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Now that's the weapon. Trust. My father recently went through his own test of trust. It happened so quick. He was working full-time in charge of the painting department at a large academy and then reaching over, painting from a small step stool, it happened. Something happened. Just a few days later, the surgeons are scheduling him for emergency back surgery. A disc in my dad's spine was pinching his spinal cord, causing paralysis in his right foot. The man that once stood so strong and independent now lays in the hospital bed, unable to even roll over on his own. Waves of helplessness, pain, and depression seem to sweep over his soul, eating away at him minute by minute. Is this it, Lord? He said. Is this now all I am, a helpless old man unable to care for myself? This is not what I signed up for, Lord. His choice is now your choice. What are you going to do? Lay in the middle of your pain and your disappointment, depression, and give in? We often feel like we're trapped, unable to make a choice, but you're not. In the middle of the night, all alone, in the face of his greatest battle, what felt like the end of his life as he knew it, he chose to stand, working his way to the end of his hospital bed. My dad did the one thing he knew he had to do, stand. God, in the face of this terrible tragedy, and even through immense pain, you are still faithful. And so I will continue to stand for you and trust you. And with all his Navy pride and courage, this man offered to God the most heartfelt and devoted salute he could offer to the one, the only one, he could faithfully trust. You see, the biggest issue, the reason for this book, is not to identify your pain, certainly not to put your pain on a pedestal or give permission for pain. The entire drive of this book is to encourage you to keep pressing through. Don't stop. Don't quit. If you stop, you're done. Like the butterfly emerging from its cocoon, the struggle is what gives it strength to fly. So the next time you're going through a painful time, don't just go through. Trust God to take you through. Go boldly forward, not blindly. Jeremiah 32, 27, God said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything 
too hard for me. Anything. And I know there's some of you right now that are sitting here today and you feel like you're smack dab in front of the biggest mountain, the greatest turmoil, tragedy, pain, problem, circumstance, whatever it is, and you can't see the other side. What do you do? Trust him. He might say to you in your situation, stand. Be still. Watch me fight for you. He might say to somebody else, speak to that mountain. I put the power in your mouth. Speak to it. Tell it to move. For others, he might give you a creative idea on how to go up or go around that mountain. Get it out of your way altogether. But he has not placed you before this thing, whatever it is, for you to set down and give up. He didn't go to the cross. God didn't send his son. God didn't bankrupt heaven to purchase everything for you to set down and settle because you don't feel good enough or worthy of or I don't know and you can work for him can't work for me and boy if only my husband would act this way my wife would do this or my you know bank account would be this or if 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 then And obey. There's no other way. No other way. So, Crystal, would you come back up? Would you please stand? For some of you, it's your mind is your biggest battle right now. You feel like you're out of control in what these voices, these thoughts, these tormentors are doing in your mind. For some of you, it's your own body seems to be coming against you. You know, first it was, you know, my shoulder was hurting. Now today it's my hip that's hurting. You know, the day before it was my foot. that was, It was like your whole body seems to be turning against you. For some of you, yeah, you think it's your kids. You think it's your spouse. You think it's your family. You think it's the, you know, neighbor down the or it's that group of that whatever. Whatever it is. The peace, his peace is here. And his peace can calm any storm. His peace can calm any storm. And you know when Elijah went running from Jezebel. He went running off the word of a person. And he ran to that cave and sat down to salt because I'm the only one that ever does it. Everybody's against me and there's nobody 
nobody else is always ever nobody you know I'm the only one and you know when God spoke to me said I'm, I'm coming I'm coming to like old Job stand up and face me like a man I'm about ready to speak to you let me tell you something you better be listening to those little unctions because you don't ever want daddy to call you into his office I think we need
just waiting on you. Give me instruction. Waiting on you. What would you have me do? Shall I speak to the mountain? Shall I sit and watch you fight the battle for me? You're going to give me a creative idea to how to go up, around, up, over, or around. Trusting, trusting him brings that gift of his peace. Why? Because again, we're looking from the inside out. We're sitting with Jesus at the right hand of God, looking down at our problem. The devil wants you to be off the throne, down here beside your problem, looking up as if you're helpless. with Christ in heavenly places. Jesus' prayer that they be in us, we be in him, him be in us. And then he says, now I've commissioned you, I've commanded you, I've imparted upon you my very authority. Now go and expand wherever you go. Release that kingdom, that kingdom atmosphere. Wherever you go, be sowing in peace and you'll reap of righteousness. Peacemaker. 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 Father, right now we thank you for your word. It says your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. That it goes in and cuts away those things, Lord, that seem to hinder us. Those negative thoughts. That negative motive. That selfishness. That envy. Whatever it is, you can cut away and we just lay before you open we trust you with that knife we trust you with the word to cut it away cut it away cut it away and right now God we just cry out to you with thank giving with all prayers and all we trust you, God. We trust you, God. We trust you, God. Whatever you're going through, just see it answered. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is, see that pain gone. See that miracle manifested. See it right now and begin to thank him right now for it. However he chooses to be the over or to make you the overcomer in it, over it, to celebrate, 